Welcome to Gain Meets, the new podcast from Gain, a UK charity on a mission to empower and educate the next generation of investment professionals. Join us as we explore the exciting world of investment management and introduce you to key investment concepts, no previous knowledge needed. So whether you're a student looking to pursue a career in finance or a young professional looking to expand your knowledge, Gain Meets is a fantastic way to learn about investment concepts and sharpen your industry knowledge. Perfect for exploring your options or to give you an added edge when it comes to interviews. So tune in and get ready to gain a new perspective on investment management careers. Well, hi everyone and a very warm welcome to this episode of Gain Meet. My name's Tilly Franklin. I'm one of the founders of Gain and I'm also the Chief Investment Officer at the Cambridge University Endowment Fund. But today I'm really excited to be here with our special guest, Pauline Ritter, who's an associate at a very successful private equity firm called Clayton Dubilier and Rice and looking forward to hearing a bit about what she does and what uh, private equity is all about. But before we do that, Pauline, it would be really great just to get to know you a little bit as a person. So maybe you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what kind of things uh, you were sort of into growing up. Well, sure. Well, first of all, hi, everybody, and thank you, Tilly, for welcoming me for this podcast. I'm really excited about this. Um, well, I'm going to start with the obvious. I am French. You will probably have noticed that in the first minute of the discussion with my accent. But yeah, so I was born in Paris, raised in Paris. I studied in Paris, um, stayed for the most part of my life in Paris. And what else can I say? I am an engineer by background. Um, I guess what I can say a bit about my younger self is that I was into I would say two things when I was younger, and I'm sorry to disappoint, but in, investing was not part of it. Um, so I guess the first thing I was interested in is improving my ski technique. So I would spend a lot of time in the mountain, um, but still studying, no worries. Um, and then the second part I was really into is keep on learning as much and for as long as possible. And that is probably why I spent seven years studying engineering. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I cannot say that I remember everything, but still. Uh, that's dedication. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's actually really great for our audience to hear that you weren't into investing, you know, from an early age, because I think many people don't find out about it even until a little bit later on. Um so it would be great to hear about what it was that first sparked your interest in investing and how you found out about this possible career path. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I was not born with a specific interest in investing. As a matter of fact, I had literally no clue about what was investment banking or private equity before my early 20s. Obviously, something changed. <laughs> and what happened is, um, I think it all started during my study, my last year of engineering studies, when it was finally a question of what job I will have to pick and choose. And I quickly realized that I did, actually didn't want to become and work as, as an engineer. And so I think the first step I had is I was trying to picture the type of work I would like to do. And I was looking for something with enough 
variety so that I never get bored. And with a constant learning curve so that I keep building on, building up on new knowledge and competencies. So I was still a student, had no clue about what I wanted to do. So I took a gap year. I did two internships. The first one in consultancy, consulting in Paris, and the second one in investment banking in New York. It might have only been because it was in New York that I liked it. <laughs> well, that's a really good reason. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you come across those internships, actually? Because a lot of our audience are probably keen to get that type of experience, but it can be hard to come by. Was it through your university? It was clearly not to my university because, well, engineering school will not push you to the investment or financing industry. But the reality is that it was because I was, I was completely lost. I started to talk to a lot of people and with different backgrounds and I started to what we call network, right? And I like discussed with some people and they mentioned the investment banking job when I was talking about, I want to have something that has variety and that you keep learning and and someone suggested to try investment banking. So I started looking for opportunities in here. I see. So you just did your own research, your own networking, reached out to people. And then through that, you kind of came across these opportunities. Exactly. I would not lie. Yeah. It was quite tough. It was not an easy task. <laughs> yeah, right. So how many times would you say, how many no's did you get before you actually came across one of these internships? Oh, a lot. Um, and the no mm. was... I think the no came from the fact that obviously I had an engineer background, so I and I had never had like specific classes about accounting or financial analytics and so on. So everything that I had to do was by myself learning from the internet. So I would say the internet saved me because there's a lot of material <laughs> out there that you can leverage in order to learn by yourself. Yeah. Well, it's really reassuring again to hear that you didn't have any specific financial knowledge. You just had a you know good background with some kind of analytical subject, but you did, basically did it all by yourself. And then so you were in New York doing this investment banking internship. What, what happened next? Yeah. So um, as I said, I really loved it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what did you love about um, it? I think so the internship was six months and during six months, I had the chance to discover the ins and outs of three different, completely different companies and industries. Um, and I guess what I like the most is that on each project with the team, we are trying to understand and learn as much as possible in a very short period of time on the company and its financial health, the industry and its key trends. And what was really interesting, and I think that's the first approach I got to investing, is that each time we were running all of these analyses under the prism of the question in investing, which is, what is that it make it a good or bad investment? And I actually, it became kind of a, it became an habit to think through. Each time I was looking at materials, reading stuff, making researches, I would always keep the part of my mind this question what does it make it a good or bad investment? And I actually like this kind of exercise, per se. So these were companies that you were basically advising as an investment banker, but you were kind of already thinking of almost more like a, a principal, an investor, 
at that sort of early stage. Um, yeah. So then, then what, how did you get your first full time job? What happened is that after my internships, I applied to all kind of graduate programs and I decided to go, well, graduate programs in investment banking. And then I decided to go to GP Morgan in London. I spent three great years there. Um, I worked with very smart and ambitious people. We advised a lot of different companies from very various industries, and I learned a lot. Um, what happened is also during these three years, I had a bit of more time to understand the ecosystem of the, this world of finance um, and its different players. And I came to the conclusion that as investment bankers, we were giving advices to the private equity funds regarding a potential investment. But at the end of the day, it was only down to them to take the decision to invest, like of investing or not. And I guess I felt the urge to understand what it's like to actually invest. And ultimately, if I want to kind of summarize what happened is that I wanted to add a bit more of excitement to my job, in my view, in my personal view. <laughs> so I wanted to keep the good part that I had in investment banking that is forming a view on a potential company, making all the research and so on. But I also wanted to add the risk related to investing or not. And more than that, I also wanted to have the feeling to be closer to the company itself as if you are working at a private equity firm, they see you as a potential partner. So the, the discussion itself, by definition, change a bit. Mm. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are wondering, you know, how did you make that leap from JP Morgan into your current role um, at Clayton Dubilia? Yeah, so what happened is that in 2021, post-COVID, I started to look for opportunities in private equity. Um, and I met the Clayton Dubilly and Rice team in London. Of course, I had heard about this company before because, well, it's one of the oldest private equity firms. Um, but I think what triggered my interest is that they have a, a different approach to investment, so more operational and partnership deals. And I guess taking all of that into account, I was certain I would learn from the best how to become an investor. And here I am. It's been two years already <laughs> at CDNL. Great. CDNL. I was going to say, it sounds like learning is a theme that keeps cropping up in your description about what Definitely. motivates you. Um, but I think, you know, we read a lot about private equity and it's a hot topic in finance, but some of the audience might be wondering what actually is private equity? What does it mean? And how does it, how is it different from other areas of investing that they might be more familiar with, like investing in public companies? Okay, so maybe I start with the grammatical definition. <laughs> um, if you think about equity, equity is a stake in, of a company's value. Then if you take public equity, it's a stake in a company that is publicly trading on a stock exchange. So that would be you or me buying a share of Apple, 
Boeing or LVMH. Um, and now, if you think about private equity, well, on the opposite side, it's a stake in a company that is not publicly traded, so a, a private company. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't help you. To so you basically have to buy the whole company. <laughs> you can't just rock up and buy a share in it. You have to exactly. buy the whole thing. So totally. that's a different. <laughs> that's approach. a bit more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a very interesting job, and I mean that's the definition. But of course, like what it what it is more concretely is slightly different. And maybe I can give a bit of an overview of like what it implies because that's probably uh, easier um, to understand. Um, yes, please. But I guess what a private equity fund would typically do is first, there's the part of sourcing. So you identify a company that you initially like and have interest in. And then you run all the analysis and due diligence in order to cover every inch of the company and its industry. And that is in order to be 99.9% .9 sure that it's a good investment. <laughs> um, and when all stars are aligned, then you would buy the company in question with a mix of equity and debt. But once this investment is done, it's actually only, I would say, one third of the work that is completed. Because ultimately what you do is then for a period of four to, let's say, six years, you the private equity fund and the company will work and in and in hand in order to help the company in question to grow and identify new opportunities that would be like expanding new geographies that would be um, develop other activities and so on. And finally, after all these years, well, the private equity fund will sell the company to another investor, and ideally, this company will be much bigger and much better. Mm -hmm. Okay, that sounds really good. <laughs> so that sounds a very, like a very sensible thing to do, but you know, there's obviously a huge amount of detail that's involved. So what, how does that translate into what you do on a more day-to-day -day basis? Can you give us a bit of a sense of types of activities um, that you get up to and what you most enjoy about it? Sure. Um, that's not an easy question, but I think it's interesting because I told you earlier that I was looking for uh, when I was younger and I was trying to find the right job for me, um, I wanted some variety. And well, I clearly got it in that job because there's no day that, no day that is the same. So at least after two years, I've never had a repetitive day. <laughs> but I can try to give you a sense of what a typical day looks like in this job. Um, and before I do that, I think what is important to mention is that work, that job rely on a team. So you work constantly with your team. It's typically three to five people working on a deal, like from your firm, with different seniority levels. And as a team, you split the work, but you also circle back all the time to make sure as much as information, as much information, um, is shared within the group. And so that's key to, to keep in mind because obviously that's like being a, able to work with a team and wanting to work with a team is kind of a important uh, uh, part in your decision making. Um, 
but so to go back, go back to the typical day, um, I think I can say that the team day would be packed, I would say, <laughs> uh, with different calls covering a wide range of topics, um, from talking to the company management about their business plan and how they see the company in five years' time, to calling the banks to discuss the option they can offer you us to buy the company with some debt. So very different topics, and yet a lot of calls during the day, <laughs> a lot of exchanges. Um, so it sounds very interactive, because some people might think you're kind of chained to a spreadsheet a lot of the time. It sounds like that's not the case uh, for you at all. Well, I'm not going to lie, because I'm the most junior person, of course, I'm spending a lot of time as well running analysis and doing some modeling on Excel to assess the financial attractiveness of the company. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, there's a lot of interaction with the different parties for the deal. So you're gathering information from all these sources and then you're feeding it back into your analytical work to kind of figure out the specifics of the plan and how you finance. That's exactly right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That sounds great. Just to, to finalize this uh, mention of the teamwork, um, you spend a lot of time with your team discussing the findings and the next steps. Um, and that's, that's critical in order to, to be certain that you do a, a good work um, and a good analysis and that you cover everything uh, as a team. And it sounds like you may have um, already covered this, but maybe you could just draw out a little bit more specifically what it is you know, that you really enjoy about the job? Um, yeah, sure. I think when you mentioned about the, the point about the fact that it's interactive, that's one of the key parts I like. Um, I, actually, I actually think that the job of an investor is one, way more dynamic and second, more people-centered than what it seems. And it is actually what I like the most. And coming back to the dynamic point, um, it is, there's a lot of interaction and you're constantly brainstorming, exchanging and challenging ideas with different people, with your team, but also with your advisor. Indeed, on a deal, you would work with investment bankers, lawyers, consulting firms who typically provide insights on, on the industry, but also the financial. Each have their own domain of expertise, and we clearly rely on them to fully grasp everything in relation to the investment. And that I, I'm quite fond of. <laughs> Um, and it, so it sounds like you yourself are challenging the assumptions. So if you didn't agree with something that was being said or assumptions that were being made, do you have the ability yourself to feed that back and make changes um, to the plans? Yeah, definitely. Working on an investment or an investing idea is a constantly a work in progress. So along the way, you discover stuff, you refine your opinion, maybe you can you can start with uh, thinking it's a good investment and then thinking it's a bad investment or the other way around. You start, it doesn't look like a good investment, but actually with all the work and research we have done, we see potential in this company and we think there's clearly a 
opportunity to create value uh, out of the investment. I think the, the other point I should mention, because it's probably less obvious when you describe the job, um, and it's actually quite key for me, is the fact that it's very people-centered. And the reason why is that ultimately the potential investment that you look at is a company. And it's primarily designed by its people, its management, who are actually running the business on a day-to-day -day basis. And these people are the ones you will be working with for the duration of the investment. And it's absolutely thrilling, I would say, to have the opportunity to work with and learn from all these different people. I mean, it's really interesting because I think a lot of people get the impression that investing is quite sort of cut and dried. It's very numerical. It's very financial. But what I'm hearing from you is it's actually much more of an art than a science. There's a lot of um, relationships involved. There's a lot of judgments involved. There's a lot of back and forth and sort of changing uh, assumptions as the deal progresses. Um, so it sounds like that's part of it that, that, you, that you find really rewarding. Exactly. That's completely right. That's what I like the most. I'm not going to lie. I also like the analytical point part, and it, it does exist, and it's also very important. Um, but ultimately, that's probably not the, the part that I'm the most interested in. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Great. Well, maybe um, we can change tack a little bit and um, hear about sort of what advice you've received along the way that helped you either to decide what you wanted to do or to actually get you know this role, which sounds fascinating. What's the, what's the best piece of advice that, that you've received that you can share with our listeners? Someone told me once, um, you are the captain of your ship and the master of your life. And I, I guess at that time, it was more like a lifestyle, lifestyle advice rather than a career one. But I guess it's also resonated to me uh, when making career decisions. Um, the way I applied it, and I think it's a fairly good approach, at least it was for me, is that first, you need to know yourself. And by that, it means that you need to be conscious of what you like and do not like, and more importantly, understand in which working environment you want to evolve and grow. And for me, it translated into looking for the job that brings variety and learning together while being surrounded by people I admire and enjoy working with. Um, the second advice, and I think that's was the most difficult one, is to trust yourself and you need to try. You need to fail and you need to retry. Um, and I think by doing that, you definitely have more chance to end up exactly where you need to be. And it sounds like you put that into action when you got all those rejections from applying for internships, but you just kept going and going and going and eventually you found something that sounds like it was a huge, you know, huge learning experience. Exactly. Completely. It's, uh, it's exactly what happened to me, actually, with like starting with, from an engineering background, realizing it was not for me, then trying, like consulting, liking it, but not that sure, trying investment banking, loving New York, 
loving investment banking and then going down that route and then from investment banking realizing that there was other opportunities that were better suited for me i.e. private equity that's a bit of like the trip I, I took basically and maybe rather than thinking about advice you receive from others if you were kind of looking back at yourself finishing up your engineering degree um, at university what, what else would you say to your younger self um, in terms of advice which could be very relevant to the gain audience many of whom are studying at the moment um i think the advice i would give is although it's not very easy to do i think networking is really helpful because talking to people who can share their experience their own insights and maybe help you along down the road to enter a new position i think it's quite a good approach actually and mm. And how did you how do you go about that? I mean, how do you start building your network when you're a young person who's very early in their journey? That's not an easy task, and I, I think looking back at it, when I was working in engineer, like when I was in my engineer school um, back in France, they were really not good at that. In a sense, like trying to help building the network, and I think nowadays. Schools are trying to help students to see like the, 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 the out of possible, the variety of jobs that they can do. Um, and that probably might be through, let's say, association as like game. What you're doing is quite helpful, right? And then that would be also going through LinkedIn and looking at profile, reaching out to people. I'm not going to lie probably there's a bunch of people who will never answer you, but some will. And usually these people are um, willing to help. And that's, and that's genuine help. So that's. So you, li- you literally sort of reached out to people, sort of cold call people, as it were, through LinkedIn or other media. And even though the majority just ignored it, some of them actually did get back to you. That's exactly what I did. Their advice or their time. That's amazing. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't uh, measure the conversion ratio of the people, uh, <laughs> people, but I can assure you it was very low. <laughs> but it wasn't zero. That's it the most important zero. thing. <laughs> yeah, it's probably better that we don't measure that. Because, uh, <laughs> so, but it is a really important point that um, you know it, it, that people are very busy, and just because somebody doesn't get back to you, it doesn't mean that the next person's not going to get back to you. Um, I think that just to add on that. And I think what can be helpful there is when you look at profile or try to reach out to people, it's always easier if you choose someone who along down the road did like went to the same school, would it be high school or whatsoever. I mean, it creates already a kind of a link and people feel a bit more, I would not say obliged, but maybe more inclined to, to reply to, to you. Yeah, like went to the same university or studied the same subject or comes from the same town or what any anything some yeah. link. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share um, with the listen our listeners today, Pauline? Um, nothing else. But if I, if you allow me, I would ha- like to ask you a question in return. 
Sure. <laughs> um, I guess I can return you the question. What would you tell, I would say, tell me what advice you would give me now, today, uh, for the future of my career? Because <laughs> ultimately, uh, I've been working for five years now. So I still have a long road to, to go through. Sure. Well, I think the advice that I would give to people in general is, um, and it probably doesn't, perhaps doesn't apply to you so much because it sounds like you're really loving what you're doing at the moment, which is fantastic. But it's not to stress out about the long term in the sense that you know people may not know exactly what they want to do uh, in their career. Um, but it doesn't really matter in the sense that you, it's just important to find something and to do something because that's the way that you learn about yourself and you learn about what type of opportunities are out there. And people have often said to me, oh, you know, um, when did you um, kind of decide you wanted to be a CIO or something? And it was pretty much the day before I applied for the job. You know, it, I didn't really have, have a long-term career ambition. I was I see it more as an evolutionary process to sort of go um, through one's career, get accumulating experience, and then on the basis of that, kind of seeing what comes next. Um so that would be one p- thing that I would say. Um, I think another point is um, there are there are always going to be kind of highs and lows. Um, I think especially in investing, you know, um, it's it's a very absorbing career, and we we get uh, kind of tied up in what we're doing to some extent. And obviously, if an investment goes really well, it's, it's very exhilarating. But they don't always go really well but I think um, another piece of advice would be not to not to sweat it too much you know everybody makes mistakes and it's okay um, to, to make mistakes um, obviously we want to avoid making unnecessary mistakes but uh, funnily enough I've actually learned the most um, from things that didn't go as planned uh, because I think if if you plan something and it just goes as planned and then it's the end you know you sort of you learned everything that you needed to know at the beginning <laughs> and you didn't kind of learn as much along the way um so really embracing um the challenges and the things that don't go well and sticking with it and sort of seeing it as a very long-term endeavor um I think would be the other thing um, that I would say. Uh, and also to have fun, you know. Um, I was listening to a podcast with another leading investor the other day and they said, you know, the most important thing uh, that they'd learned was to have a sense of humour. I think that was really a really good piece of advice um, that I took, actually, that, uh, it's, you know, it's it's supposed to be fun um, and uh, we shouldn't lose sight of that. We're all really privileged um, to have these opportunities and we should enjoy them as much as possible. Great. Thanks. Thank you so much, Pauline. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I'm sure it's been hugely beneficial uh, for everyone listening. We really, really appreciate it. I hope as well. And thank you very much. It was a great time. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening now. And if you'd like to find out more about our work and how we can help you, visit gameuk.org. We'll see you soon.